Time now for the Redbird Report podcast with the TV voice of the cards, Danny Mack, and Cards World Series champion Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. The Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin, and Brad Thompson is with me from 101 as well as Bally Sports Midwest as we head to Colorado, and the Cardinals will take on the Rockies tomorrow for the first of three, but we've got to go back, Brad, and talk about the homestand that was. Trade deadline came and went. Cardinals make a couple of deals. They sweep the Cubs. They sweep the Yankees uh, in one of the more memorable regular seasons I could ever remember at Bush Stadium 3. We had a record-setting crowd, the biggest ever in the history of the ballpark on Saturday. Um, let's see, Yachty's 1,000th hit, DeYoung's <laughs> 100th home run. I mean, you had a little bit of everything in that series and in that homestand. That was fun. And your St. Louis Cardinals are two games clear of the Milwaukee Brewers for first place in the division. Like, life is good right now for a Cardinal fan. So let's go back, okay, Dan, to our our last podcast prior to the trade deadline as there were plenty of rumors surrounding Juan Soto. Cardinals obviously do not end up with Soto. Soto goes to the Padres. Many Cardinal fans disappointed, and understandably so, okay? We, We know the talent that Soto is. The Padres gave up a haul to get him. Well, instead of the Cardinals just saying, well, we didn't get Soto, uh, they went out there and acquired a couple of pitchers. They pick up Jose Quintana, who in his Cardinal debut was really good. Only gave up one hit, a solo home run in the first inning. He was solid after that, punched out seven. Then they pick up Jordan Montgomery, a name that, damn, we kicked around all kinds of names, and we threw out all different starting pitchers. Did you hear anybody talk about Jordan Montgomery being available? Never heard it once. Never heard it once, and I I wonder now that we're saying this after watching the weekend and Montas yesterday wasn't great, and that that's going to change. I, I he'll, he'll be fine, but that's one I wonder if the Yankees do they regret it? Um, now they they do have Severino coming back in mid September, but that's a name I just did not hear, and I'm really curious to see how it plays out. I am too, and I'm very glad. And I don't say that in the sake that it's like I'm glad to see Harrison Bader go because you and I have uh, have been high on Harrison Bader. I think Harrison has been a guy over the years that everybody looks at his offense and say, well, he needs to be better. I think the offense around him wasn't good, and it made him a focal point. The guy's one of the best center fielders in the game of baseball, and he's got the hardware to prove it. Uh, but there was a specific need that the Cardinals had, and it was to replenish their starting pitching. There's only so long that you can continue to just wear out your bullpen, and that's what they were doing. And uh, they they end up picking up two starters. Dylan Carlson, by the way, has looked pretty darn good in center field. And then all of a sudden, Lars Newt Bar Newt has emerged in you right. Everybody, oh, who doesn't? Everybody. He gets a ball, hit his direction, and everybody's yelling Newt at Bush Stadium. Yeah. Heck, we had it in Washington, Dan. We were doing the yeah. games there. Lots of Cardinal fans, and they're all yelling Newt. So, like, you just never know what happens when you give somebody an opportunity. I think that he has run with it. And for the Yankees, they're a really good ball club, okay? And they needed to solidify some defense. They they made uh, Harrison Bader for them as a postseason move. So, we'll see how it works out for them. I just know this for the Cardinals. And, Dan, you know this. You've been around this organization forever. You've been around this team all year this feels different right now. They've rattled off seven straight wins. They're nine and one in their last 10. And again, they're in first place heading to Colorado, Colorado with three there. And then you get to go back home and guess who you play? 
the Brewers, right? That's so right. you get a chance to extend that lead. Hopefully, you've got a tale of two different teams right now after the trade deadline. The Brewers trade off Hater. It seems like uh, they've had their bullpen collapse a little bit here recently. They're a little down in the dumps. I even heard their owner talking about the move of trading Hater. And he basically laid it at the feet of their president of baseball operations. And he said, hey, I'm just a fan on this one. I'm sad to see him go, too. It seemed like a very curious move and one that might change the direction of that franchise this year. Absolutely. I I didn't agree with the move at the time. And you may recall it was 24 hours prior to the deadline. You and I are getting ready to do a game. And I said, Brad, you played this game. You played it a long time. You've been in those clubhouses. You've definitely been in bullpens where that guy is the leader. I said, Man, when you walk in, isn't that kind of demoralizing? And you said, without even hesitation, I don't even know if I got it out. You're like, yeah. And I said, I, I don't agree with that. I, I just don't understand why you would do that, especially with a year of control where you could have moved him in the offseason. So they decided not to do that. And so Hader is with San Diego. San Diego made the biggest moves of anybody, you'd have to say, when you get Juan Soto and Josh Hader. I don't think anybody thought that uh, somebody would And Josh would get, Bell. And Josh Bell, that's right. And he, he, you, know, you shouldn't overlook that. So um, the other thing I want to get into, though, is the impact of Yadier Molina. You, you pitched to this guy, and I don't think that should be overlooked. And again, this kind of sums up to me his career. You don't pay attention to the offense, and he doesn't get enough credit for what he does in handling the staff. Does he get credit for throwing out guys at second and third? Yep. Does he get credit for pickoffs? Yes. Longevity, toughness, all that. Does he get enough credit, though, for guiding someone through a game? He did that Saturday. He did it all weekend. That should not be overlooked, and how important his presence has been behind the plate. I think he gets that credit in St. Louis, knowledgeable fan base that gets the opportunity to watch him day in and day out and see how he does this with not only young pitchers, but veterans that maybe come over from other places or even on a day where Wayno doesn't have his best stuff. I feel like those two work together so well. I feel like he gets that credit here, but I don't think that he gets it nationally. And I understand that it's something that you have to see it for a long period of time to be able to give the credit where credit is due. But you're absolutely right. Him coming back has changed this ball club and changed its attitude. Yachty plays, and we talked about this on the broadcast the other day, Yachty plays with a chip on his shoulder. Yachty plays like someone is trying to take food off of his plate. Like that's how he goes about every single day. And that's an attitude that's contagious. And even, I mean, Nolan Arenado had himself a heck of a homestand. He's having an incredible year. It's only overshadowed by the monster year that the probably MVP Paul Goldschmidt is having. Well, he's got to be, hey, he's got to be starting to get thrown into that MVP conversation too. Yeah. Of course he is. No, you're absolutely right. But even Nolan Arenado, who is a star in this game, Nolan, he he referenced the trade deadline. He said, yes, that absolutely helped. We went out there and picked up a couple of pieces that are going to be great. But he said, don't overlook Yachty coming back. Like that to him, to, to Nolan Arenado, is one of the biggest differences of this ball club, the attitude and the way that they're playing right now. So uh, it, it's fantastic to have him back. We all want the, hist- uh, the history, right? We all want Wayno and Yachty to be able to break the all-time record of uh, – you know, the, the battery record and that that'll be great. I think there were what seven more away from that to tie it. So we're, we're getting close to that, but it's more than that. Yachty's a winning baseball player. Adam Wainwright is a winning baseball player. Albert Pujols is a winning baseball player. These records, these milestones, they mean something no matter what, but they mean a lot more if this is a team that's heading to October and has big plans of trying to win a championship, and I feel like that's what they are. Yeah, it's a different-looking team. What does it do, Brad, from a player's perspective? 
I can only say from teams that I've watched and covered, when you sweep the Yankees, and again, the Yankees aren't playing their best baseball, and they were without Rizzo, without Stanton, two massive bats and players in their lineup. Granted, but still, that's a very, very good team. They came into the weekend having hit 185 home runs, and they didn't get a home run in 19 straight, by the way, 19 straight games they had hit a home run. They didn't homer on Friday, didn't homer Saturday. They finally got one laid off of Helsley, of all people, LeMahieu, yeah, right. yeah, at the very end of the game. Now, having said all that, though, it's still a hell of a team, and you just swept them, and you did it in tight games. You found ways to win. From a player's perspective, and I, I've seen it with other teams, this is a jumping start of, uh, you know, the, the all of a sudden, man, they, they believe. You believe if you're a Cardinal. Not to say that they didn't before, but, man, this reinforces maybe what you're thinking. From a player's perspective, what does that weekend do? Yeah, when you're a Major League Baseball player, you are you know how fortunate you are, and you're excited to go to the field, and you're excited to go to work. But – this is a little different for a lot of teams. This August is the dog days where they're still trying to get through it right now for the Cardinals. It's the best baseball they've played and it puts a little extra pep in your step. And it also like you sweep the Yankees at home and you sweep a homestand. Well, it makes you a little cocky. And I think that's a good thing. I think that any good athlete's a little bit cocky. Now you can go too far, but you can tell when a I ball agree. club is confident. You can tell when somebody, uh, when a team gets off the bus, be like, oh, they got it. They got something special about them. They got an energy. You walk into a clubhouse of a team that is playing like the Cardinals are. And I'm really excited to get to Colorado, be around the guys and, and feel that vibe in the clubhouse. It's going to be fun. It's going to be light. But as soon as the game gets closer, it's going to be intense. Like these are the days that you're fighting to go to the ballpark. A day like today and an off day, uh, it was a long day. It was a hot weekend. Uh, I guarantee you these guys <laughs> want to be playing today, though, the way that yeah. they're playing. And by the way, uh, how about setting a record yesterday for that ball game? Longest nine-inning game at Bush Stadium 3. It was the longest nine-inning game in all of baseball, yet it didn't feel like no. it because it was a ridiculous baseball game. You said it during the broadcast, Dan. If you're complaining, it was about the three-hour mark. If you're complaining about how long this game is, you might want to find another sport because that was back and forth. Yeah, and, and that's the point I've tried to make all the time. And we can have these implementations to speed up the game, and I, I'm, I'm for that. I think there's times that we need to do that, but it's about the action in the game. So if a game takes eight hours or it takes two hours, I just want action. And that's what we had. We had so much drama over the weekend. The return of Matt Carpenter. We haven't even gotten into that yet. Yeah. And, it, and it seemed like every game was coming down to an at-bat, which it did, with either Judge or Carpenter. I mean, you can't draw that up in other, in other sports. And that's why I love baseball, and that's why I love this weekend. It was just perfect how it played out. And now you turn the page. You got Michaelis. You got Quintana. And you've got Hudson in the three games in Denver you don't want to have a letdown. You want to make sure that you take care of business against a team that usually is very tough at home. Cardinals always travel well with their fans to Denver. You know that well, being a player and having done that. But you don't want to have the letdown of what we had this weekend and of this homestand, too. No, you're absolutely right. You prepare going in for this uh, this series against the Rockies, and the Rockies are sitting here at 48 and 63. They have no postseason aspirations here. But you prepare for this series, and you you go out there with the same energy and the same drive as you did against the Yankees. And that's something that I think that Ollie Marmel and his staff do a really good job of 
is making sure their guys are up and all of the details matter in every single series, whether it's the Yankees or, or the Rockies. Uh, and you feel really good about uh, your first couple of days, certainly with Michaelis. I can't wait to see Quintana again. He was really impressive. Uh, and when, when I'm looking at the third game of this series, there's going to be a big focus for me. And I, I would think a big focus for the team on Dakota Hudson and what he does in his outing. He's going to be going against Marquez. It wasn't a great outing for uh, for Dakota last time out. His pace was bad again. And then Palante came back and, and threw four innings in relief. The wheels have to be turning a little bit right there. Do they make that switch? I think it's a big start for Dakota Hudson. Yeah, 100 percent. And I, I want to say this too: the residual effect of the trades to bring in starters allowed you to have the chance to win the game on Friday night. So that was Palante giving you the four innings coming out of the bullpen. He was fantastic. And now we have a little bit of a resurgent Paul DeYoung. And Paul DeYoung comes through in the biggest moments. Friday night with the double that wins the game. And then yesterday, his 100th career home run off a of Big Mac land, three-run homer, and it proved to be big because LeMayhew, that was a one-run game, winds up hitting the home run off of Helsley. Boy, a resurgent Paul DeYoung could do a ton for this team. He can, and it comes back to depth in the lineup. It's something we talked about a lot. Okay, this is not Paul DeYoung, at least with the expectations currently, uh, that they were last year, where Paul DeYoung was starting and he was batting fourth on opening day. Like, that's not exactly where you need him to be right now. You got guys in the middle of this order that can carry you, but you need depth and especially high-end depth, and that's exactly what Paul DeYoung can be. Not to say he can't grow even more in this lineup, but he's got pop. I mean, this is a guy that has power, has proven that he will go the other way. Those two doubles that he ended up hitting, he hit the one off Clay Holmes and the one yesterday before he ended up hitting that home run. So he's driving the ball the other way. And then if you make a mistake to him, well, he can do that to you. He can hit that big home run. You look back at the last four games, he's got four hits, three of them doubles and one of them a home run. Like that's exactly what you can get. And that was batting mainly out of the seven hole in the lineup. So Paul DeYoung plays really good defense for you. It allows Tommy Edmond to shift back to a more, I won't even say more natural, but a position that he's won a gold glove at, at second base. You know he's got crazy range. It just helps your ball club in so many ways. And Dan, we talked about this on the broadcast. You can tell by the way that Paul DeYoung is carrying himself that he's in a better headspace. Like, he's just not fighting himself anymore. I liked him uh, when, he, when he was talking about his swing and just realizing he doesn't try to have to lift the baseball. His swing will do that naturally. He's letting the game come to him right now, and I think that's where he's going to have the most success. Brad, I'm going to wrap it up with this. Pitching in Colorado and pre-humidor, post-humidor, I don't care. It's not easy. It's a big, spacious ballpark, and that's one of the points I always try to make when you play a team in the National League West, especially Colorado. Yes, the home runs will happen, but you got to have guys that can go get it in the outfield. The gaps are huge. Um, from a pitcher's perspective, you can't worry about that, I would assume. You were a sinker baller. They probably relied on you a lot to pitch in Colorado. What is it like pitching at that ballpark? It is different. It's definitely different. And it's not just the way the ball moves. It's like how you feel as you're going deeper into a ball game. It's tougher and tougher to breathe. Like even the jogging from the bullpen, you get there and you're like, oh, my God, how far was that? Uh, so it, you, you do have you to sure prepare that, for was that. Was it because of Helton and 
you know, maybe the middle of the lineup that you had to deal with that you weren't out of breath? I'm just saying. You know, that could have been it, too. Look, there are a few different variables uh, when, <laughs> when you played there. Uh, now, some of those have cleaned up a little bit as, you know, Matt Holiday is not looming yes. over there right now. Although, they, I mean, they got some guys, certainly. But, uh, no, one of the biggest keys is you really have to focus on down. Okay, so a lot of the times that you're relying on your movement of your pitch to get down and hit the spot, you have to change your starting point. That ends up being a really big key, and especially the first couple of warm-up pitches when you get from the game, uh, from the bullpen mound to the game mound. I always focused on almost trying to spike a few pitches, and it was it was crazy. Almost every time I would do that, I would focus like down, like let me bounce that like right behind the plate, and it would end up being a strike low in the zone. Like it, it's just really weird how it changes. I don't know if the mounds are different in the pen, or it was just you know getting back out there and having the adrenaline of being on the game mound. But focusing on down is going to be a big key because you have so many starters for the Cardinals that get tons of ground balls, work down in the zone. That's going to be the key early on. So the first innings are going to be something really to look out for for this Cardinal pitching staff. Hey, buddy, always love doing this. Looking forward to the three games in Denver. Then we come home and the Brewers will be in town. So it should be a fun, fun week of baseball. It's going to be great, man. This team is playing their best baseball so far. Cardinal fans, hey, jump aboard. Let's enjoy the ride together because it's a good one. All right, buddy, that's Brad Thompson. I'm Danny Mack, and this is 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with the TV voice of the cards, Danny Mack, and cards World Series champion Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home-trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.